lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head? The room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said, quote Ain't that a hole in the boat? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Theology and Dirt. My name is Mitchell Jolly, and you are Chris Hayes. Awesome. <laughs> we appreciate you guys being with us. We appreciate you guys listening to Theology and the Dirt, where our aim is to put our theology into practice in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys giving us some information to talk about along the way, and uh, appreciate you guys sharing the podcast. Oh, and by the way, if you give us a five-star rating and share that, that ups our street cred in the podcast world. So those of you guys who listen, if you go give us a five-star rating, that'd be awesome. Nothing less than five-star unless you're a hater. And if you're a hater, by all means, leave us a one-star and tell us how awful it is. Sometimes I like reading those comments, and that's very entertaining and get a good laugh out of it. So yeah, if you want fun. a good time, just go pick random products on Amazon and read the reviews. Oh. Awesome. It's good reading. <laughs> it's pretty good reading, right? So there's nothing like being entertained when you practice the ability to read and, and, and increase your brain's capacity, right? Right. And real quick, this is off topic, so I'll be brief. Everything's my, off one topic. Of, at this point. <laughs> one of my favorite things, if there's like a five-pound bag of gummy bears on Amazon, and the reviews, there's literally a guy who gets like a one-star and goes complaining like, that like about his stomach being hurt and being sick and all this kind of stuff like that. Because he ate a five <laughs> and, 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 and I'm pretty sure it's a hundred percent serious. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, well, if you order a five pound bag of gummy bears and try to down it in one sitting, if you don't die, you're going to be pretty miserable. Yeah, this, this guy, this guy has issues, man. <laughs> what a great review, right? It's it's hilarious. It made it on the theology in the dirt. That's how good it is. That's true. That's awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, we are sponsored by and we record from Global Impact International Restoration Rome. If you want to find out how you can participate in the global orphan crisis, you can go to restorationrome.org and see how in the local domain of Rome and Floyd County we are engaging that and how you can participate in that as well. So go to restorationrome.org, check that out. And if you are so compelled, you may give there also. And so we're glad to be part of this work. And so this morning as we dive into theology in the dirt, we get to dive into our segment on news. So this morning in breaking news, I think the big news this week, Chris, that uh, at least for me, I'll I'll jump in and go first, is the uh, news that the Biden administration is going to be looking uh, to give some loan assistance and toward canceling student debt. Yeah, that's the big that seems to be the big news dominating headlines, but also the old Twitter verse. And for me, that is a very interesting topic. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I uh, just just uh, um, I see a lot of on, on the old twitters. I see a lot of people um, in our um, theological spectrum. I guess you could say um, making an awful lot about people complaining about 
the government paying off some student debt, but not complaining about the continual sending of funds to Ukraine to help fight the Soviets. And although I think that's a legitimate critique, I think that's comparing apples and oranges to very different things. Agreed. Um, I think when it comes to the government paying off student loans, I'm, I'm a little averse to that idea and probably, and, and everybody, Chris, you too, feel free to critique me here. Some of that is because I work my rear end off to make sure one, I didn't have to take his loans if I could help it. Uh, now I went to school back when we had to pedal our cars like Fred and Wilma Flintstone mm-hmm. with our feet. So things weren't quite as expensive back in the stone age, but the last, I only took out one loan, and it was the last semester of my senior year um, because uh, I wanted to just go to school and not work. But I, it took me six years to get my bachelor's degree because I worked at nights and took some classes during the day. And so I wanted to make sure I tried to start off with as little debt as possible and, and managed to pay off that loan I took the next year and, and move forward. And I worked hard to do that. Chick-fil-A, Riverbend Mall, those of you in Rome, Georgia, if you remember Riverbend Mall, man, you're taking it back right there because Riverbend Mall, man, that's ancient. And so we're talking the Braves used to come to Riverbend Mall and Dale Murphy, Bruce Benedict, Rafael Ramirez, Bob Warner, (laughs) Claudel Washington. I mean, need I go on? I mean, it was awesome. Chris Chambliss, Bobby Cox was the manager then. My sister worked – in the mall with Bobby's uh, fiance Pam, and so they were co-workers, and I got to meet Bobby Cox and the Braves all the stinking time. Uh, that's Riverbend Mall, baby. That was awesome. And so um, I worked at Chick-fil-A Riverbend Mall and paid off college, and so I'm a little averse to the idea of the government now paying off student loans. That's that's my first reason, and that's selfish. I didn't. You didn't have to eat onion sandwiches like me, so eat onion sandwiches and Prove your worth. That's stupid. So I get that. That's just old man being old man. Then the other part of me thinks, hmm, higher education is overblown, most of it. Not all, but there's some degrees worth what they cost. Very few of them in, in, the, in that world. What it's going to cost you to get a bachelor's degree, you're not going to make enough money to pay it off. Um, that's unfortunate, but it's true. So I think there's two problems there. One is the government's paying off bad loans. Those loans are needed because the government will pay, because you can now get a federal loan, the government will pay for it. That, I think, causes schools to go, hey, we can charge more for it. It's hard to explain the rise in tuition from when I went to school to today. Mm-hmm. Um, where my wife went to college, um, tuition for her a year was roughly $18,000 a year. That's room and board, mm-hmm. books, I mean, that's everything. Now we're, 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 we're going on fifty. For the same degree. And I'm going, hmm. hmm. So it seems like a twofold problem. It seems like schools are charging more because the government will give loans to people and people aren't being discerning about what those degrees are going to cost. And so they're incurring a lot of debt and then they're getting into jobs that can't pay that debt back. Right. And that means <clears throat> less money to spread around the economy. And as a result of that, we got problems. So I, I think, I think, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be calm. I think I'm not too good with that. I understand it. I understand some people may need some relief, but should they get it from the federal government? Um, I don't know. Uh, and I know most of the people listen to this going, no, they shouldn't get it. 
part of me understands the need for it, but part of me is really bothered by it being given out and being received. And by the way, this is not the same thing as a PPP loan either. We're talking about right. a loan to keep businesses going in the middle of whether you think it's necessary or not, a, a global shutdown. That's also comparing apples and oranges. So we're not talking about receiving money from the government across the board. We're talking about a bailout from potentially a bad loan given by the feds. Maybe the feds shouldn't have given the loan. And two, maybe it shouldn't have been received. Or yeah. how about this? What about schools who have endowments loaning future students out of their own endowments that money and having them pay the school back rather than the feds? That might cause the schools to keep their costs and prices in check. Anyway, I'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, that was my news topic. Well, I think it's it's a big one. So I think it's, you know, compared to everything else right now, that's the big topic. And it's been interesting reading the different sides of it. I mean, I and granted, I'm not one that gets really far emotional response either way. I don't love right. the idea. Right. Um, my wife and I have paid off three different private school loans from the same school that your wife went to. Right. Um, we went to, you know, we, so we had to take, we all had to get loans for all three of those degrees that we have um, from that school and paid them off in time, you know, with the interest and it was not easy. It was not fun. Um, and so, yeah, so the, I think I understand the response of, well, I had to pay mine back so they should have to as well. I get that. And I think that's, a pretty, huh? com pretty common response. Pay your loan. Um, it's it's hard when you're like, you know, it's just, it's just kind of the same response to, you know, the the average working American being like, man, these people who don't work at all are getting thousands and thousands of dollars in their tax refunds, and they're getting all these different helps, and I'm I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, right. trying to make it through, and trying to afford gas and food, and right. you know, just you know, not saying that I'm you know, poor or I'm, right. you know, I'm try, trying to live with them in my means, but I'm not wealthy either. And so I get that response. Um, I think the bigger concern for me right now is, um, you know, this whole process is going to be relying on an agency that is really struggling with having enough people, having the right people, um, they're juggling all these unprecedented changes and reforms. Um, it's not like the whole, we got all the stimulus checks. It's not like that process was smooth. Right. And so, but my big fear is not that people are going to get help. I mean, Hey, I pay for my loans now I get to pay for everyone else's. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. By the way, that's not free. But, yeah. That's not free. And, and that's, nor were the stimulus checks. No, no and, we're and paying for that too. Everyone just seemed to ignore that because it, it was money. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was helpful. We, we're able to do some things with that. So I'm not going to over, I, mean, I would have been fine without it, but I'm not upset. We got them, right. but this, yeah, this is not free. Right. Just you open up and there's cash in your mailbox. And I think, but I think what's going to happen is they're not going to be really prepared. The government to deal with all these things. So you're going to have, um, so there of the 43 million Americans eligible for forgiveness, um, which is really probably closer to 35 million, um, including like the Pell Grant recipients, right. most of those are going to have to attest that they make less than 125 grand a year. Right. And they're going to have to prove all this stuff and they're not going to know how. Right. And honestly, my biggest fear in all this is this screams 
scammers paradise. Oh, absolutely. And yes. I think people are going to get scammed out of money that people are going to get taken advantage of. Right. People who really need the help are not going to know how to get it properly and may either miss out or not get it. And the people who don't really need it or who aren't, don't qualify are going to find ways to get it. Right. And I don't know that there's a, a solution that's going to avoid that. No, I, I agree. I, I don't know that there, there is either. I, I, there are two ways to do this. You tax people for it, which we're already taxed to levels that are unprecedented. Think about this. We started a revolution, tea in the harbor, over what, 4%? Was it a 4% taxation without representation? And if you take a look at your taxation right now, some of us might say it's time for some more tea tea in the harbor. Right. So you either tax people for it or you you print it or you digitize it, which is a whole different conversation on digital currency mm-hmm. and transfer it to people's bank accounts, which at that point when you digitize currency, you can control how it's used, which in some degree, like if you're given a, a loan bailout, it should be only applied to those loans. I get that. But and you go down the road of digitized currency and then you can start controlling what people spend their money on. That makes me nervous. Yeah. And 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 then and then I, I think I, I'm trying to look at this also and I think I want to give you if, if you have a different piece of news we can move on from this but as a Christian God calls his people to be good managers of his resources and that's not just money it's also our decision making. And I would say to young high school students who are coming out of high school now make good decisions about the sense of what you believe God has called you to be and do. Choose a school that allows you to, to, to get the, the training that you need. And I say training because I, I firmly believe not everybody needs a liberal arts education. Um, the blue-collar skills pay a lot of money, and there mm-hmm. are not a lot of people ready to take them. So if you want a good job, go to your local Georgia Northwestern Technical Institute, and you can be one of those electricians driving that sweet F-250 and pulling his boat to the lake on the weekends because – you paid very little for your training and you make a lot of money rather than going to get a degree that will maybe net you 30 a year, but you're going to pay 150 for, right? So think about what God's made you to be and do. Make a good decision on the degree that you get or the training that you get. And then go, that's being a good steward also, right. being a good steward of your skill set and the training that you select and choose. And if you don't have an idea, don't go yet. Go get a job and spend some time working. Do something with your life meaningful. You can contact us, and we can help you get in, in touch with an organization you can go give two to three years of your life to and spend some time around the world working and serving, and you'll find out real quickly in those settings what you don't ever want to do again. Mm-hmm. And you'll come back ready to go to school, ready to spend as little money possible to get that training, and won't waste a lot of time dropping classes because you know I never want to do that again. So being a good steward is not just the money we spend. It's also being prepared so that we use the money that we have better. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And, you know, when I was coming through, so, you know, went through high school kind of late in the 90s, and then that was in the prime era of if you don't go to college – you working right. at McDonald's right. or Kroger. You know, like, like – That's what we I'm were told, right? downplaying those jobs, but, I mean, like, right. if you wanted a good job and you wanted a career, mm-hmm. you had to go to college. Um that's what we were told anyway, right? right. And, yeah. you know, and I look, like I, I have zero regrets about my liberal arts degree. Yeah. That fit me. And what I learned, at, not even just inside the classroom, helped shape 
who I am. It's helped develop yeah. skills that I've still used today that I don't think I really thought I was going to use at right. the time. Um, but I also, you know, had to pay for that and pay for a long time. And so, like, there's yeah. the good and the bad. Um, I got, you know, scholarships, but also had, you know, loans as well. And so, you know, I, I think that's – I think it's just about, like you said, it, it, take time to make those decisions. Don't go just because you have you feel like you have to. Because right. that's completely changed now. And you're right, there are so many um, career paths – good career paths absolutely that may have been looked down on in the past but now are crucial to our infrastructure that you know i mean there's just not a lot of welders anymore and that's right. a that's a skill that people pay a lot of money for um you know things like heating and air pest control yeah. um and then up to things like nursing and stuff which do require college degrees right but there are like you can get other jobs with it, either an associate's degree right. or you can, and then now you, there's so many online options for, you know, there's some good inexpensive college options. If you feel like you need to go that route, there are, and there's not, there's really nothing you can't learn on YouTube. I feel like no, now that's true, but, um, absolutely very true. What do you have a, do you have something that, uh, is there a news item that stood out to you this week? Cause I, I took a lot of time and that's okay. We got plenty yeah. of time, but did you have something that stood out other than the, bailout of student loans honestly no that's been the big topic i think just i'll just make one last comment on it i think just because i think we've been um discussing that but i think to me the <laughs> a lot of the responses i've been seeing is okay there are a lot of there seems to be outrage that christians are upset by it and i've seen multiple posts of like well i thought christians were supportive of debt cancellation kind of a sarcastic tent and i'm like and and you know, my, my response to somebody was, well, that debt wasn't canceled. It was paid for. It was paid for <laughs> in blood. So, right. but then, you know, then I get thrown at you know, me, Deuteronomy 15, Luke 7, Colossians 2. And I'm like, yes, the Bible does talk about debt cancellation, but the, I don't really think that applies to this. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, let me use scripture to call out Christians for being upset about something. But yeah. I don't think, I also don't think it's only Christians that are upset. Um, right. You know, and, and, and a lot of it's just, just grouping Christians towards conservative. Right. And then conservative upset with yes. liberal yeah. who made the decision. And then again, it's coming as we're trying to, everything's trying to run back through politics. So yeah. it's just, um, you know, it's hard to combat, combat that. And then probably, you know, <laughs> for our topic last week, I'm like, you know, I better learn to just let it go. But I also, I was like, you know what? We don't need to be calling out people for being upset about it. Right, it's okay to be upset about, it. and it's okay if you are completely on board yeah. with it and like it. I don't think it's that crucial of a decision. Yeah. There are much, I've, there's much worse things. To my tax money has gone to and goes to. So I'm like, even though I don't like it, I, I, I took a step yeah. back and I was like, well, if the worst thing, if my money is going to go to that and to helping people pay off some loans. Okay, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, and, that's I, right. and me being, I'm not going to change it. And yeah, so, that's but right. I also don't think we should just grab out random scriptures about like canceling debt. Yeah, to try to justify, or I should be on board with it. Yeah, I'm that's. Like, I I would say, yeah, I completely agree. I started seeing people using scripture sincerely about the atonement of Christ and canceling debt to justify a government's canceling of perhaps questionable decision-making in regard to taking out loans. And I'm going, boy, that that's a whole new level of terrible. Yeah. And, and, and I just, if anybody is listening to this and you are compelled to use the 
those scriptures that you mentioned or the atonement of Jesus as apples for apples in regard to Jesus paying a sin debt, like repent now. Like that's awful. That's absolutely horrible use of the Bible one and, and the atoning work of Christ. Cause those are not the same things. And, and I just like, I'm appalled by that. I cannot believe I actually saw that on the Twitters going, okay. Speechless. Like even now, other than just like, don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. That's bad. No, it's, it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's not apples and oranges. That's apples and chimpanzees. You know, it's like <laughs> there's no comparison there. <laughs> apples and chimpanzees. I agree. It couldn't be more different, right? No. But hey, if if it's going to happen, Lord Jesus use that to make the gospel go forward. Yeah, absolutely. And then break and then hopefully convict people of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's time. Ladies and gentlemen, May I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Dude, I don't know where that came from. That if like we have a big voice in here that just that just went off. Man. Like the birth child of Satan and James Earl Jones. <laughs> Scary. But at least he said please. He did. He said please. Can I have your attention, please? Right? We're grateful for our, our big voice. Big voice is part of our team now. And big voice reminds us when it's time to move on to the show. And today we're we're continuing to dive into the topic of emotionally healthy discipleship. We said last week, and I put it in, in the blog post, a link to Pete Scazzaro's book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And we're just really take some time to dive into that a little bit and um, unpack some of the content of his book. I don't think it's fair to do um, all of Pete's stuff. I want you to go buy the book and read it. But it has been so shaping for me that I want to expose people to it. And we're going to unpack some of it, unpack some of the other stuff we go and read on this issue because what I find is, Chris, I think we're on the verge of seeing a massive emotional breakdown in our society. We've seen it at our schools, like even in our city here, we're all of a sudden in the city school system seeing a breakdown of relationships where we're having massive amounts of fights, fight after fight after fight after fight happening. And it's it's not <clears throat> it's not because um, there are all kinds of reasons. It's not because of previous leadership or present leadership. It is because human beings have been absolutely pushed and are allowing themselves to be pushed emotionally from trauma in their background to societal stuff, the, the shutdown that isolated people so long, which we now know was, and a lot of us knew going in, this was not healthy. It only took us a couple of months of that mess to realize that, the emotional fallout of being isolated is worse than whatever some people are getting from this virus. That's not to minimize the virus. It was deadly for some people. Uh, but for the majority of people stuck at home and not been able to go to school, these kids are suffering from it. And we're seeing the fallout from that now. And it's because there's, a, there's an emotional fallout that is happening 
And I think we're just on the verge of, of things really breaking down in a lot of people. Some of us have experienced emotional challenges because of being emotionally unhealthy. And one of the things I find um, that is absolutely necessary is to dive into emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. But in order to get to emotional maturity, we've got to recognize what emotional immaturity looks like. Right. And so I find that I think it's a neglected topic. I, until I read Pete Scazzaro, I have a recommendation from some other people. I had never paid attention to emotional maturity versus emotional immaturity. And then I did this, uh, an EQ test, an emotional uh, IQ test. And uh, I didn't do real well. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I, and I looked at that and I actually kind of looked at the paper and said, it's a bunch of crap. And and what I didn't realize is that I was right on that verge of of falling off that cliff, man. Mm-hmm. And what I really was was emotionally immature. Yeah. And so I'm having to learn emotional maturity. And as I do that, I start seeing emotional immaturity all around me. And so I'm not there. I'm on a journey to growing to emotional maturity. And so this is an important topic. And I think it's been neglected, particularly by Christians coming from a Christian worldview. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think to kind of get us started here, let's let's kind of define what emotional immaturity is. Um, and I just one of the definitions I found out. It's real simple uh, from the American Psychological Association. It defines emotional immaturity as a tendency to express emotions without restraint or disproportionately to the situation. And I think that's kind of fitting. It's kind of short and simple. Wow. Um, without restraint and disproportionate to the situation. Yeah, and I think to kind of go further on that, there are there are two sides to every coin. There are two sides to the spectrum. Emotional immaturity isn't just people who are overly emotional and who respond at extreme levels of emotion. Lack of expression of emotions that's disproportionate to a situation can also be yep. emotionally unhealthy. And I would I would argue that in my life, those t- moments when I've had when I've been in those situations for me, cause I'm not an outwardly emotionally expressive person. Right. Doesn't mean I don't have emotion, but I'm, you know, and there are chemical and biological things that right. keep me from being, you know, tilting one way or the other. Right. Um, and so, but I also wanted to look up what is emotional health? Right. Or what does emotionally healthy mean? And one of the definitions I found is emotional health is a positive state of well being which enables an individual to be able to function in society and meet the demands um, of everyday life. Um, and the truth, so emotional maturity to me is, is directly connected to a brokenness of the soul and the heart brought about from our sinful nature. And right. I think that's just, there, there's a natural correlation there because of our brokenness, because of our fallen sinful nature, emotional immaturity. And we're not born with that, but I think that develops over time. Right. If it's, and some of that's, you know, our upbringing, our right. circumstances, some of that's due to trauma. Um, some of that is um, I, one of the verses I wrote down, Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Uh, mm. And I, I think we have to reckon with that in our own selves. Yeah. Um, that our heart is deceitful. Now, our heart can be transformed, too. And there's right. and we'll, we'll get to some things we can do to help with working with emotionally immature people. Right. That I hope will also help people 
deal with themselves if they find themselves emotionally immature. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I've found is in order to be able to deal or I'm finding is that in order to be able to deal with emotional immaturity in other people, I have to deal with my own stuff. Unhealthy people can't help unhealthy people. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be a component of self-recognition and work. And I would say the hardest work I have ever had to do is the emotional work of scrubbing out my soul. And uh, I remember it's been several, several years ago. And some people who who probably are, have been around uh, us in our church for a while can remember there were times where I even said out loud publicly and, and teaching and preaching, I would find myself getting emotional. No, you, you've known me a long time. That's just not part of who I am. And I would cry and start crying. And I would make a statement. Like, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't, I don't know where that's coming from, but it was just happening. Right. What I didn't know was all that stuff on the inside, because I, you said it a minute ago, emotional immaturity isn't just the poor expression. Sometimes it's the hiding of and pushing down and learning to deal with emotions. And, and for me, emotional immaturity was the inability to recognize and name emotions and then express them in a healthy manner. So just shove them down, shove them down, shove them down, and they would work themselves out into times where I would just start crying. I had no clue why I'm crying. Like, I don't understand. I, I seem to be happy. There are no circumstances. I'll just start crying. That's a, that's emotional immaturity. Yeah, I equate it to this if you need kind of a picture. So, you know, when we get like a stomach virus, right, or a cold or some kind of sickness, something, something virus in us, there are, like it has to come out. Right. And, you know, we won't talk about there's if you have a stomach virus, there's two ways that's coming out. <laughs> right. Options. Yeah. There's two options. But it right. ha- like you're not going to get better until you're rid of that virus and yep. of its effect inside in your system. Right. That's how our inner workings are created. We have an immune system that fights against those things. Right. Emotional health works very, very much the same way when you have an unhealthy um, emotional state. Either it's gonna it has to come out, right? And uh, same thing when we experience trauma, like those that responses, those emotions. Now it, it's different for every person. That's why we have you know fight, flight, or freeze re- mechanisms. Right. That's why we have different ways of emotional responses. Some right. of it, people it's crying. Some people it comes out as anger. Right. Other people it comes out just in a multitude of ways. But if we don't get that out, we are making ourselves more emotionally sick, right. unhealthy because. You know, like like our immune system, our emotional system, if you will, and our even in our mindset, our brains, the way every, all that works is this is not okay. This is affecting me in a right. bad manner. My brain recognizes that. My body recognizes that. I have to get this out. And yeah. if we don't deal with it, and it's you know, it's going to come out. It can come. It can come out a little bit at a time in in a, in a safe, appropriate manner, or it can come out. And I mean, how many times? Yep. In marriage, have we probably done that? We've let something stew, yep. and then man, we j- then something triggers that, and bam, we respond, yeah. and we're like, man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Right. Um, I think depression and anxiety are two. I think not the only not the only cause. There are other causes, but I think depression and anxiety are caused partly because of the poor expression dealing with our internal emotional immaturity, and the body keeps the score. The human body. Uh, produces what our mind, God gave us this this identity as a person, as an image bearer of God. Right. Our identity is our our mind, our ability to think and reason and use logic and have truth. God's word, the Bible affect that. This body that houses that, that's temporarily broken, um, is affected negatively 
by my management of my mind, my thoughts, my emotions, all those all those things that ball up to create the image bearer of God. And by not sorting those out, they affect us and anxiety physically in the body and our and, and how our body feels and how our brain operates. And so emotional maturity will work itself out either healthily in a slow manner and, and some people unhealthy in a slow manner and then or all at once with a breakdown. Yeah. Or or just exploding on people. One of the ways for me emotional immaturity came out was the inability to empathize and understand and allow for my own family's emotional health. Like they they could properly express emotion and it bothered me. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I would um, try to use truth to talk them out of it. And so using true things, like what I said was not untrue. Right. But it was an improper application of truth, as if that emotional expression is not, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah. And so that discomfort, like I, I got, and, and what it ended up being is about me. It really wasn't about the truth or how the truth affected them. It was about me being uncomfortable with their emotional expression. Mm-hmm. And so that's how emotional immaturity came out with me, is trying to suppress my own family's emotional expression. And, and, and that's, that's not good. Yeah, but that's emotional immaturity on my part. It is, and I, I'll get to this in a minute. But one, that kind of falls into one of the common characteristics I wrote down of emotionally immature people. And um, but the fact is, emotional maturity is defined by the ability to manage our emotions and take full responsibility for our actions. Mm. That, that right. if you want to be emotionally mature, that in essence is really what it comes down to. Um, emotional immaturity comes across often as selfish. Um, or aloof and because people can't communicate their emotions or they can't process their emotions properly. Uh, or the word, you know, we use in the, in, in the field is coping skills. Right. And people tend to either have good coping skills or bad coping skills. And, and sometimes you have a little bit of both depending on the situation. Right. Um, you know, but there, but at the end of the day also there's grace. And I think we have to be willing to forgive ourselves and forgive others. But if you're emotionally immature, it's hard like you, you can't receive someone else who's emotionally immature, right? Because you're both being selfish, and two selfish people trying to have a conversation is not going to end well. No, it doesn't end well, and 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 being able to recognize that is massive. Because mm-hmm. what I've what I'm learning, at least in, in my own home and in my own marriage, and and right now the experiment, uh, I hate the experiment's not the right word. The proving ground for me is in my home, yeah, and and being able to allow my my kids and my my wife to be uh they're emotionally healthy I'm the unhealthy one and being comfortable when they are processing how they feel and I'm telling you that's that's just brutal and I know for some people that's like that's not hard my, and, and this boy right here somebody feeling feeling causes me to start getting nervous and my heart starts racing and I'm aware, but I get down in my lower brain. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. And I'm like, why am I fight, flight, or freeze? There's no danger. This is not an existential threat. Yeah. But emotion being expressed causes me to feel like there's an existential threat. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the wildest thing. It's and there are there are reasons for that. This isn't the place for me to unpack all my therapy, but it's recognizing I'm emotionally immature. Let me read some things here. Then Chris, I want you to yeah. you have a ton of good content. I want want you to get to. But one of the things Scazzaro says, um, the reason emotional maturity goes on is is there some failures and our first failure is we tolerate emotional immaturity Mm. so i tolerated it in myself 
Um, I think other, uh, my family to- tolerated me being emotionally immature. And, and, and here's one of the things he says, over time our expectations of what it means to be spiritual have blurred to the point that we've grown blind to many glaring inconsistencies. For example, and here, here's, here are the things he gives. He said, you can be a gifted speaker in public and be a detouched spouse or an angry parent. You can function as a leader and yet be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. You can quote the Bible with ease and still be unaware of your reactivity. You can fast and pray regularly and yet remain critical of others, justifying it as discernment. Dang. You can lead people for God when in reality your primary motive is an unhealthy need to be admired by others. You can be hurt by the unkind comment of a coworker and justify saying nothing because you avoid conflicts at all costs. So avoiding conflict. Yeah. Um, you can serve tirelessly in multiple ministries and yet carry resentments because there is little personal time for healthy self-care. And then you can lead a large ministry with little transparency, rarely sharing struggles or weaknesses. So those are things that can come off as spiritual when, in fact, it's the toleration of spiritual immaturity. And that's yeah. huge. Yeah, it's it's impossible to be spiritually immature and emotionally immature. Right. Uh, those can't be separated I think when you know when we ignore the emotional component of our lives, uh, we move through the motions of Christian disciplines, activities, uh, behaviors, all of that stuff. But but deeply rooted behavioral patterns from our past they hinder us from having this authentic life of maturity in Christ. Right, uh, and we often neglect to reflect. There's your little fun phrase: neglect to reflect on what's going on inside us and around us. That's the emotional health component or unhealth. Right. Um, and I think what's compounded that now in our culture and our society in this time, whatever you want to phrase that, we're too busy to slow down to be with God. Um, and as a result, we've run this high risk of remaining stuck as spiritual infants. Mm. Um, you know, if it, it, we in the child development world, you know, we talk a lot about how trauma kind of stunts emotional uh, development or and, and cognitive development a lot of different ways. Right. I think that's true for, for our spiritual self mm. as well. Um, it, we can get stuck in that infant phase. An infant doesn't recognize that it's not growing. Right. Cause it's not experienced that it doesn't under, doesn't, you know, you don't know that you're supposed to develop until you do. Right. And, and so they can't fend for themselves, but infants are, Selfish, as it should be, because I don't know any better, right? It's, right. it's like, hey, right. I'm, I'm gonna cry or complain because I'm hungry, yep. I'm tired, I'm, I'm hot, or angry, I'm, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm, right. uh, you know, most of that deals with has to come out with through fear, right? You know, and there's science that shows children up until the age of one only have two emotions: fear and lack of fear. Mm. And so that plays itself out through right. those other things, but right. um, and and spiritually, I'm just. That in a lot of ways is probably true as well. Mm. Um, we develop, we fail to develop into spiritually, emotionally mature adults in Christ um, if we're not dealing with those things appropriately. That's right. That's exactly right. And and not being aware of some of the the symptoms of spiritual immaturity and thus emotional immaturity uh, is gonna. It's not gonna help us grow into what we need to be. Right, and so being able to to notice these things, I would and I would say that that little list you can go back and listen that I that I gave you, those are the things we can't tolerate. Yeah. And so if we if we are in covenant fellowship with each other, we should be able to in a way that doesn't 
jack us into fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn. Fawn's, fawn's another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, fight, flight, freeze, mm-hmm. or fawn, which, by the way, the fawning is the person who is possibly always able to push off the situation by being funny. Maybe the class clown, always telling the joke, talks the most, can circle around and circumvent a situation and get us off topic. That's fawning. Now, yeah. That's not to mean everybody who's talkative and funny is fawning, but sometimes that is a defense mechanism is tell the joke, get everybody laughing, and get away from the emotional difficulty. So it, if, we're, if we should be able to do this in a manner that doesn't trigger those responses, and that is being able to recognize this in each other and helping each other to deal with that. And some of it's just being able to be real. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Well, I'm not doing good today. Or Chris, how you doing? I'm actually doing pretty good today, man. I'm I'm feeling all right. Jolly, how you feeling today? I'm feeling some anger. What are you angry about? I don't know. Yeah. Let's work that out. I don't I don't know what I'm angry about, but I'm I'm mad at something. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And what I just for me is as I've been able to recognize emotions and call them what they are and talk about them, what's crazy is they begin to dissipate. Mm. And my body feels them appropriately. I'm able to articulate them appropriately, and they leave. Yeah. And there's actually enough science behind the ability to name an emotion to tame it. Yeah. You know, uh, that's that connection piece, that relationship piece. It's difficult, I dare to say impossible to go from emotionally unhealthy and immature to emotionally healthy and mature alone. Mm. Uh, because number one, we probably don't even, we may not even recognize that we're in that state uh, by ourselves. Right. And we don't, so we're not going to be looking to fix it. Uh, or if we are, it's going to be very surface level because we don't right. want to get too, we don't want to get deep with other people. We don't get want to get deep with ourselves either. Right. Um, and that's, that's why true. I think it's, you know, important to, um, understand what some of those characteristics of emotionally immature people are not only in recognizing that in others, but things to look for in yourself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's exactly right. And so, all right, so you got some good yeah. content for us. And, uh, so tell us what you got over there, man. Yeah. So real quick. Um, so I've got a few char- common characteristics of emotionally immature people and we can kind of unpack that a little. Yeah. And then I've got some how ways to deal with emotionally immature people. So let's talk about the common characteristics first. Uh, number one, emotionally immature people won't go deep into conversations. They and you said this, they kind of laugh instead of share often, mm, right. um, or laugh it off. They put the con- or they'll put the conversation off, saying maybe I'm just too stressed to think about it right now or talk about it, right. or always coming up with excuses to avoid those conversations. Right. Um, number two, everything is about them. They mm. turn everything in the conversation back to them. And make it about them, and they don't compromise. Um, this, mm-hmm. and, and I think oftentimes, oftentimes we just think that's well, that person's just arrogant or prideful or or selfish. Well, they are, and those are all signs of emotional immaturity. Mm. If, if you know, if I'm telling you a story, and every part through the story, you're always saying, "Oh man, yeah, that happened to me," or when I was when I was eight, and in just taking all, what I'm trying to share with you. And making it about you, right? Um, that's only that's going to you're devaluing my sharing and my emotional right. uh, issues, and now I'm less likely to continue sharing those mm. because you've to, you've told me you're not interested in me. Mm. You're only interested in how it affects you, mm. um, and that's a common common sign. Mm. Um, number three, they aren't accountable. They don't own up to their mistakes. 
they're often the people who make excuses or shifting the blame, uh, or at best they're minimizing the their responsibility in that mistake. Right. It's it's there's always a reason or an excuse or something rather than just saying, you know what, man, I screwed up. My bad. I'm yeah. sorry about that. Right. I was in myself and didn't process that, and I'm sorry I hurt you. No, it's like, man, um, you know, my job, my boss is just riding me right lately, and you know, and, I, right. and and those may be legit reasons, but if someone who's emotionally immature is always going to find those on everything because right. they're they get defensive, right? And it's not being able to come to the place that, yeah, those things are real. External pressures are real, but growing to the place that they are not going to cause me to let that spill out on you. An emotionally mature person can overcome right. those things to not hurt someone else. Right. Um, number four, they're impulsive. They demand attention, um, often childlike behavior. Uh, they don't know how to talk logically without getting emotional. Mm. Um, so, you know, someone's acting like a toddler, um, they're, spirit, they're emotionally immature. If they're always trying to just demand attention, uh, and, you, and again, you kind of hit on that. That's the class clown. Um, it's and, and again, it's not someone who's just being funny, but it's someone who is very clearly doing those things to either avoid something or to draw attention back to themselves. Right. Um, they avoid responsibilities. Mm. Number five, they don't. You know, they just find ways to avoid that. Mm. Uh, and lastly, they don't empathize. Uh, it's about fulfilling their needs, and they don't apologize or even recognize when they've hurt someone's feelings. Mm. Um, you know, empathy. <laughs> Empathy only comes out of emotional maturity, right? Mm. Um, and emotional health. That's a fact. Oh. That's painful. It is. It <laughs> is painful. Coming from an emotionally <laughs> immature person who's growing, I'm going, ouch. Um, but it's true. Yeah. Well, it is true, and it's hard to recognize in yourself, right? Because again, you're either minimizing things or you're so overly strongly responding to them, right? You know, so you take something small and make it big yep. or you take something big and make it small. And it's easy. I think it's easy to cover those signs up in our context because we can spiritualize things. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and that's bad. And, uh, yes. Overly spiritualizing or over intellectually intellectualizing it. Yeah. Um, and I'm guilty of that. Uh, that's not, not say I'm some intellectual person, but I but at the same time, I know how to. I know how to word things and I know how to, to use language and phrases to um, manipulate a response that will be accepting to people. Right. So, you know, I might be dealing with a lot of stuff and, and I may not joke about it, but I can talk around it. So it comes across to someone as if I'm sharing my, how my feelings in a truthful manner. What I'm really doing is just clogging it up with yeah. a bunch of mess. Yeah. Right. Know? right. And, 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 and it requires, because uh, sometimes, like, it, it's hard. Like, you can recognize some of those things, and sometimes they're legitimate. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just covering up. And I think it, there has to be a place of transparency between us in order to grow where we can, we can say when that's happening. Because some people might not be able to see it. They just think, oh, that's just reality. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, it's us. And, and I think that's, for me, at least a sign of maturity is when I see it in me and can stop it. Yeah, and and confess it, and go, man, look, Jennifer, it's <laughs> what I'm doing. Oh, okay, and that that is, but I've got to be able to say it. Otherwise, I can cover it up, talk around it. I'm, I can use words too. 
the number one differentiating factor, in my opinion, between emotional maturity and emotional immaturity is self-awareness. Uh, emotionally healthy and mature person is aware. Doesn't mean, again, it's not mean perfection. Doesn't mean you don't mess up or you right. don't have emotionally immature outbursts. Right. We still do. And, right. and, and we're men. So I think that's tripled, you know, <laughs> husbands. I mean, we just find ways to, you know, right. to do that. It's in our DNA. Right. Um, but someone who's emotionally immature lacks self awareness. Mm. And that's what makes them dangerous. That's what makes them. It, uh, incapable of fixing that in themselves, usually. Right. You know, because yeah, they they're not aware. Right. That's right. That's right. So, how do we deal with people in that? Yeah. So, what do we do? Number one, create and maintain healthy boundaries by being self aware, communicating clearly, and being straightforward and honest with people, but without shaming them. Right. Uh, and this is not something that, and I, I want to make sure this isn't a step, a five step or six step process here that's going to work every time. I want to make that clear right there are different levels emotional health and sometimes people and actually one of my things is professional help and counseling is there when needed so people sometimes people need help beyond their friends and family right. um, but we don't we do them a disservice if we're not straightforward right so we can't they're the ones typically not being straightforward so it's important that we are hey this is what i see you doing right and i love you and i know this isn't your heart but what you're doing is hurting me and it's hurting others. Right. And we need to deal with that. And the ability to recognize that professional help is not a bad thing that has had a stigma on it for far too long. Like we will go to a doctor to get medical biological help, Mm -hmm. but we have refused soul care at the hands of professionals. And I think neglecting how to do neglected I have, and I'm learning how to do soul care as just an individual. It's a medicine that all of us can learn to apply to other people. And there's no stigma to it. Right. When I feel like Christians are the worst at that. Because yes. it's like, well, because either you feel like I'm I'm not I'm not a good Christian and I'm not walking with the Lord. Or you got people saying, you know, just pray about it or just read your Bible. Yeah, pray and read your <laughs> Bible are the most common a... responses. And I'm like, yes, pray and read your Bible. And yeah. there's some soul vitamins we need to take. Yeah. And, and that. And that is getting the right kind of help. Absolutely, um, but you know, boundaries are so important because what mm. I what what is absolutely abundantly true is emotionally immature people attract each other. Yep, and they gang up and they become a team, and then they hurt each other because yeah. they're not around emotionally mature people. They're the Genghis Khans of empires. Yeah, they invade and invade and invade, and will even try to push past boundaries. Like you try to set up a good boundary, they'll worm their way around the boundary, and, and that's where boundary setting even gets more challenging. Is how do you keep out the boundary breaker? Yeah, that's yeah. a different. That could be a whole different. Podcast. Could be a whole other topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, another one: know when to walk away from the person or situation. Mm. I think emotionally healthy people know when to engage and when you have to disengage. And so you mean it's okay to walk away from an emotionally unhealthy person? Yes, because they will not walk away. No, or if not. they do, it's because they're avoiding the situation. I think that's one of the um, most uh, probably uh, wisest piece of counsel and probably the one most likely to be rejected by Christians with the application yeah. of other scriptures out of context to justify why we should never walk away from a person when in fact walking away from a person may be the most healthy thing for them and for you. 
And that also means walking away on social media too. Yes. <laughs> Not commenting or just saying, right. we well, can agree to disagree. That's right. Um, and being of, good with that. Instead of making it worse. Yeah. And moving on. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, another one is show care and compassion for them, but don't let them bulldoze you. Listen to them and support them. Uh, emotionally immature people tend to bully others, right? whether they recognize it or not. And so we need to show compare, compassion. We need to show care for them. We need to listen to them, even if we completely think they're crazy. Um, but we have to also be cautious that we don't get ran over. Yeah. Because that happens often. It does. And that's part of the walking away also, connected. And, and even sometimes walking away permanently. Like it, There is nothing in the Bible that demands us to carry on a relationship with people who are hurting us. Right. It's just not there. No. And we know that legally. We would never we would never tell a young lady who had been abused in a situation uh you need to go and make that relationship good with that person who hurt you. We would like that's foolish. We would never do that. Then we turn right around and tell people in emotional settings, you need to go that person who hurt you, you go talk to them. Mm, really? And it's just easy for us to leap over to that mm-hmm. and, and go, there's nothing in the Bible that demands that at all. No, but they'll use that, you know, they go to your brother if you yeah. they've hurt you kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't, that's not what <laughs> that not means. not in the Bible. <laughs> that's that, we talked about that Sunday, that's disconnecting verse 22 from 23 in Matthew 5. Yeah. So you can't disconnect those two. That you isn't just general. The you is the person who's murdered with their words and slandered. Right. That's not the person who was slandered. Yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah, keep going. Because, boy, dude, because I'm telling you, that's the one people go, I just don't believe that. Like, well, tell me why it's good. Mm-hmm. And they have no reason. They start throwing things around, but none of it is good. None of it's biblical. None of it's true. Right. It's just self-abusive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, next one is adjust your expectations of that person. Uh, they're not going to change overnight. Right. And so and because they don't often not realize that there's a problem, Right. Or they minimize the problem. Yeah. You have to, your expectations can't go and again, you know, I'm gonna fix this person. That's not your job. Right. That's right. And 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 it's it's okay at that point to avoid. You know, Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Avoid him. That's that's true. There yeah. there are times to avoid. So you don't need to be around that person. That person will hurt you. And the last one is just pray. Yeah, actually, I wrote it three times. Pray, 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 pray for them. Yeah, pray for those around them. Um, pray for those that they've hurt. Pray for those who that have hurt them. Right, and pray that the Lord will use you in the way that you see fit, and that He will give you the guidance on how to to approach that appropriately. Yeah, that's right. That's good. And and if you should at any yeah. point in time, right, and 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 that may or may not be your or my or somebody else's place. It may be. Maybe something the Lord does in in and of themselves. I think um, forgiveness, um, the ability to forgive, allows us to pray. It's hard to pray when we can't forgive, oh, and yeah. when and when um, someone is no longer living rent free in our head, we know we've we're on the track to forgiving appropriately, mm-hmm. and then you can pray. I I struggle to pray for when I haven't forgiven. Yeah, and when I haven't forgiven, I've sinned against heaven and against man, and that's a hard, hard thing to do. I, I have had to learn. I've had to learn. For, I mean, I'll ask my wife, "What is forgiveness?" Here I am, a master's degree trained linguistic theologian, and I'm like, I know what Jesus said, but 
what did he mean? <laughs> so I yeah. said, my wife has to teach me what forgiveness is. I'm like, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But to pray, I've got to forgive. And that's tough. Well, that's why the gospel doesn't make sense. Grace doesn't make sense because we feel like there should always be right. a penalty. And I, it starts with ourselves. We've got to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we don't stop trying to pay for our wrongs by flogging ourselves and just receive forgiveness, um, it's going to be hard to not expect to release other people. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said something about that. <laughs> I believe he's he pretty said clear. a few things on that. Yeah, he did say a few things on that. Chris, man, that's good Good stuff. We're just getting started, guys. We're going to continue to go down this road of dealing what, uh, with emotionally healthy discipleship. And there's some stuff we're going to unpack and, and we just introduced today. Um, and there are tons of things for us to get into. And so we're probably going to stay on this for a while because I think it really hits a nerve. It's good for it's good for us. It's good for me to unpack it. Um, it's good for us to unpack it together. It's good for you to hear it. Uh, if you have questions you want to ask, by all means, send them to theologyinthedirt at gmail.com and we'll be glad to get to them. Uh, if you have any other topics you'd like us to get on, please send them to us. We will be glad to look at them, and when we get finished with this one, we'll launch into new topics. And so we appreciate you guys listening. Please don't forget share this podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Give us a five-star rating and help us get it out further and deeper and more. Don't forget, visit restorationrome.org, and you can check out what we do in our domains of society here in Roman Floyd County. You guys have a great day. We'll see you next time. Out. Peace out. And keep grinning If this is just the beginning My life is gonna be Beautiful I've sunshine enough to spread It's just like the fella said Tell me quick 